This is episode number 037 of the Reno Slant. Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and Nevada baseball are all in the news. Fun times in Reno. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Did everyone catch their breath? Holy cow. All three big sports in the news this week. It's not common, uh, not a common thing in Reno for certain. So Nevada Hoops, the roster is starting to take shape with Operation Pack Back. That has been a ton of fun to follow. Nevada Baseball is just white hot right now. Uh, they pick up a huge series win against UNLV. And then this week, Monday and Tuesday, they sweep the defending national champs, ranked number two in the country, Oregon State, because of course they do. Uh, so Nevada baseball is just on fire right now. And then our guest this week is one we've been trying to make happen since really the fall. We've kind of teased it a number of times. We finally got to happen. One of the most quotable guys on campus, Nevada punter, Quentin Conaway, ahead of Nevada football's silver and blue game this Saturday at Mackey. So basketball's going crazy, baseball's going crazy, football season is already here, yeah, kind of. So we got into it with Quentin, some hilarious punter talk. Uh, has the team noticed the attendance issues over the last couple years? And who are a couple names that we need to watch at the spring game from his perspective? Nevada baseball is going to look to keep it going this week at Air Force, so we'll preview that series certainly. And for slants, we're doing games of the weekend, social, got some really good questions once again from you guys. And then as always, we're going to get out of here on Random Reno. Our iTunes five-star review of the week is brought to you by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. The iTunes five-star review of the week comes from Reno Totter. Attention pack junkies. If you're a diehard Wolfpack fan like myself, you'll love this podcast. These guys get legit interviews with current Wolfpack personnel, legends of the past, and national media members. You just can't get this Nevada content anywhere else. So Reno Totter, we certainly appreciate the love. Congrats on being selected as the iTunes 5-Star Review of the Week. Make sure you get in touch with us, whether it's uh, Instagram, direct message, Twitter direct message, or email, Slant at gmail.com, and we're going to hook you up with Golf for Two to Toyabi Golf Club, you're going with a buddy on us. And thank you to all of you who submitted an iTunes review this week. Toyabi Golf Club is south of Reno and north of Carson in beautiful Washoe Valley. Toyabi Golf Club is just a 30-minute drive down 395 from Lawler. Toyabi Golf Club is open to the public. The course is locally owned, locally operated by Nevada fans. Toyabi, what does Toyabi back, Adam? They back the pack. Toyabi backs the pack. Book your tee time today at toyabigolfclub.com. I was uh, I was at home this weekend up in the rainy, cloudy, foggy Pacific Northwest. I went golfing on Saturday morning, and the course was soaked. It was one of those things you, you hit a ball in the fairway. It's a rare event, rare occurrence for me. And so you hit in the fairway, and you get the splash landing. You hit a low screamer. You get no roll. 
and that really made me miss <laughs> playing golf uh, pretty much anywhere other than there, but certainly Toyabi is included on that list. And whether you're going golfing uh, next week or next month, maybe you need some new fun attire for the golf course or for Tahoe. Uh, the, it's almost crawl season. It'll be here before we know it. Or you're planning to go to some festivals. You need to visit tipsyelves.com. Tipsy Elves wants to put you in memorable clothing for all of life's biggest moments. They got tanks, tees, swimwear, really funny Hawaiian shirts, uh, golf wear, certainly. They always have a ton of sales going on. And time is getting really skinny to view their line for Cinco de Mayo. That thing's coming up. Make sure and catch our conversation with co-founder and Reed High alum, Nick Morton, on episode 017. So start putting your summer wardrobe together today at tipsyelves.com and exclusively for the Reno Slant listeners. Promo code SLANT20 earns you 20% off at checkout. That's promo code SLANT20 for 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. We'll start here with some basketball stuff. Hashtag Operation Packback really became a thing this weekend. As of now, the time of recording, Wednesday evening here, Jazz Johnson, Jalen Harris, KJ Himes, they're staying. Eric Parrish has said he's still coming. And really, Jazz Johnson and Jalen Harris have taken it upon themselves to re-recruit guys in the transfer portal it's been so much fun to see the content they're putting out. Um, so, bro, I'll, I'll let you start. What What is one of your takeaways as this kind of whole movement started over the weekend? Well, it's just good to see them taking it into their own hands because obviously a lot of question marks in the air. How's the program going to recover? Who's coming? Who's going? And it's just nice to see guys who have been around, you know, for a couple of years or a year to really take the matters into their own hand and say, hey, we're not going to let this, you know, dream that we had when we got here slip away. We're going to keep it going. We're going to find ways to get these guys to, you know, also reinvest the belief and the faith into have, with the new guy at the head with having Alfred there. Yeah. And it's just been funny. Like you mentioned, there was one video I saw last night, the needing the assists and they had tagged Lindsay drew and they were like throwing passes that were just haywire all over the place, like drilling the scoreboard and stuff. <laughs> But it's just just good to see that. That's just that's the type of leadership you want running the team. It, it says a lot about the leadership on this squad. I mean, I think this thing really started. I, I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday when uh, Jazz, Jalen, KJ, and Nizre uh, jumped in the car and made it clear they're headed to Roseville. Roseville is where Jordan Brown lives. Uh, Jalen Harris tweeted the picture, the shadow of them in the street. The fifth person was clearly Jordan Brown. They tagged Jordan Brown in that. The question there becomes, like, that was pretty, I don't want to say presumptive, but it gave a lot of hope. And you certainly mm -hmm. don't hope it's a Danielle Musselman, uh, we don't have any intentions of going anywhere kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it was fun to see. And you for the guys who are taking responsibility as this program right now, which is really the, the core who we kind of spoke to. This is absolutely a bonding event. Like you bring in a new coach, what's going on? I'm talking to other schools now and they're able to galvanize now around the idea of no, the program is what we say it is. We're not letting this thing fall apart. We came here to accomplish mm -hmm. something and we're gonna, we're still going to stick to that. So now the question becomes obviously you mentioned Lindsay Drew. The, there's a video 
the video that Jalen and, and Jazz did was clearly aimed at him. We need a point guard. Someone can throw some passes out here. Got Lindsey Drew, Jordan Brown, Nizre. It's interesting we haven't heard anything from Nizre because the fact that he was in those pictures and, and in, mm-hmm. like you would think that that maybe means that he's planning he's on coming back. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then, uh, obviously Shamil, uh, the pit, uh, transfer who tra- was, got on campus in the spring, I believe. So th- those are the guys still to be decided. Either way, this has been a lot of fun to follow and, uh, certainly gives us more content when it's not even basketball season. So we appreciate that as well. <laughs> Can't argue with that. No. Well, the other part too, it's gotta be nice for Alfred. Like no clue if you had any involvement in the construction of this operation or, you know, any, he say or not, but it's got to be good for him. And obviously shows that the players are invested. It's not just guys coming back ho-hum like, uh, well, I'm here. I might as well stay. It's guys like, no, we're coming back and we're going to win. Right. So that's just, I was going to say that's the other part for, for all for all for all for all <laughs> for all for it. It's just got to be nice. Just, you know, he, he doesn't have to play out of his character. We've talked that, you know, he's more reserved. He's, you know, business is business. He's not muscle going to be running around with a shirt off doing that type of recruitment. So it's also no. kind of plays into his hand or plays into the way he plays his cards. I'm pretty curious to know how involved he is with this operation pack back at all. Uh, my guess is he's pretty hands off with this. It certainly appears the guys are taking it into their own. Mm-hmm. We yeah. haven't seen anything official from Nevada. We know how savvy Nevada's social media team is and marketing team is. We haven't seen anything from them acknowledging or mentioning Operation Packback. And that really creates the feeling that the guys are taking it upon their own. Now, maybe yeah. that's strategic and maybe they want to, to create that feeling. I'm, I'm not sure. Either, either way, um, I don't want to keep pounding on it, but it's been a blast to follow and, uh, it speaks a lot to the leadership on this team. And regardless of what happens now with Jazz Johnson, Jalen Harris, Eric Parrish, and, and KJ Himes, at least in the backcourt, that's a nasty group. And w- with those four, that is at a minimum a Mountain West contender. So I, I think now the big ones are, I, I'm still going to stick with Lindsey Drew is the most important player bringing back that doesn't mean the most talented because the most talented is clearly Jordan Brown who's left to come back but the most important in terms of this transition phase from previous leadership to this new leadership the Steve Alford era I think it's Lindsey Drew is the guy who's really going to usher that through even if he doesn't come on board now I think the leadership we've seen from Jazz Johnson and and Jalen Harris says a ton Mm -hmm. Um, it, it is a little bit ironic this is the second straight year this time of year Nevada's kind of sitting around just involved in the J- in the Jordan Brown sweepstakes. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's the it's the exact same thing. I still think he's coming back. It just makes way more sense for his NBA aspirations. He doesn't have to sit out a year if he transfers. He can play immediately um if he stays in Nevada obviously. And so it was Go ahead. So do you, do you think he's just holding around just waiting to see if like maybe a golden opportunity or like you know, a program like Duke or something comes knocking or do you think he's just kind of you know, taking his time. It's pretty clear that his dad is very involved in this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I feel like anytime we hear that, that this list of schools has reached out to Jordan Brown, it's per his dad or from his dad. So his dad is clearly putting it out there and maybe his dad is waiting for a bigger offer or more interest to come in. That's in mean, Kentucky is one of the schools. And I don't know how much of our blue blood you get than that. 
Yeah. Um, so you would certainly have wished that Jordan Brown would have by this point said, Hey, I'm coming back. Um, you can't knock him for weighing his options. Um, I, I ultimately just do, do think he's coming back. Uh, Steve Alford, by the way, I don't know if you listened to it. He did a podcast with Andy Katz this week and it was really one of the first times we've heard Steve Alford talk about the program publicly and what's going on and, and what's happening. There were a couple interesting things that he said. He basically spoke as if Lindsey Drew, Shamil Stevenson, and Nizre Zouzoua are all coming back. He all said it as if it was a, as a done deal, and then he did mention that Jordan Brown was still up in the air. So the fact he mentioned Jordan Brown was still up in the air, but then spoke pretty confidently, or def- almost definitively, about those three was interesting at a minimum and gives you a lot of reason for confidence at a maximum. Um, that was it. And he also mentioned about us getting a new, lo- new locker room. That was something in there as well. Yeah, love it. Did you have any other thoughts on Operation Pack Back? Those are my those are my key thoughts. I almost said Operation Backpack like seven times. <laughs> the funny thing was I I uh, I type pack, hashtag Pack Back and Twitter or whatnot. Yeah. My du- my dumb brain goes, oh, this is clearly just going to be about Nevada. Swinging them. There's nope. so much just random trash in there. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll segue here now to baseball. What a fun little stretch that this team is on right now. Um, by the way, a stat that I have kind of just trademarked and made my own is this team's record when scoring six or more runs. I was gonna say you're you're about you are literally trademarking that. I'm, thing. Dr- I'm driving that train. They're now 15 and one. The reason I'm driving that train is is six or more runs is not a ton in the college game. It's not a mm-hmm. lot. And so the fact that, you know, the number is relatively low and the record is that impressive, I think makes that stat pretty interesting. So over the weekend, Nevada picked up a really important series win over UNLV. So Nevada's now won back-to-back Mountain West series for the first time this year. They won game one, 16-8. They lost game two, 7-4, and then rebounded in game three with a 16-5 win. The bats were are out to play right now. Nevada's 10 and 11 in Mountain West play, tied with UNLV for fourth place. And then Nevada obviously followed up this week with a really fun doubleheader sweep uh, against Oregon State. We're down to just three conference series left in the regular season at Air Force versus Fresno at San Jose State. What is something you took away from Nevada's past little five games here? Well, the two games that were irrelevant, more or less, I was glad that Nevada went completely 180 with what I thought would happen against Oregon State. I didn't think they'd win either. Mm-hmm. Ended up winning both of them. So that's fantastic to see. And one of the things we harped on a lot or the whole baseball season prior to the last couple of weeks was the run production, offensive run yeah. production. And I mean, the last go- couple of games, going back to the last one against New Mexico, they put up 14, 8, 16, 4, 16, 8, and 7. So that plays right into that stat you got trademarked, but the bats are coming alive right when you need it most. Cause now they're starting to make that nice little push. Yeah. When you, when you mentioned the two game stretch that really didn't mean anything, I mean, the Oregon State series, it, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't have much impact. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it can certainly help with confidence. It can make the guys feel better. Um, but this team is not getting an at large berth and it doesn't move them any further up the Mountain West standings. It is a lot of fun. How much more fun would it be if Nevada was competing for an at large and then had the Oregon State series in it and then swept them in Reno? <laughs> yeah. If Nevada was an at large contention, then that would have meant a lot more. 
I mean, even with the Oregon State sweep, Nevada's RPI is sitting at 105. Um, so some some early lumps in Mountain West play clearly hurt. You mentioned that the offense. I mean, that was that is the story for me. The the dude's just swinging it right now. Uh, 58 runs in five games before the Oregon State series. And to put up those kind of numbers against an Oregon State staff, we talked about how good that Oregon State pitching staff is. They didn't throw their dudes because it was a week uh, weekday series. So they went, went to their bullpen. But as a staff, their ERA was, I believe, fifth in the country. It was 2-7, something along those lines. So the score of 15 runs in two days against that staff is really impressive. Uh, we expected some dingers over the weekend against UNLV. UNLV has given up the most home runs in the Mountain West. Nevada has hit the most home runs in the Mountain West. And Nevada hit eight over the weekend. That's almost three per game. Strikeouts is something that we talked about a lot this year. The team was striking out a lot earlier in the season. And against UNLV, they had 13 strikeouts the entire weekend. That is a massive, massive disparity from where this offense was earlier in the in the year. And that's clearly a big, big uh, factor in this offense starting to get going now. They're, they're not giving away nearly as many outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other part, too, I'm going to play this in toward the Oregon State series because both those games going into extras, granted not conference games, but it's just showing that the team is now, they're digging deep. They're, you know, they're not folding when, you know, when the stakes are high. They're playing the number two team in the country and they win in 12 innings. They win in 10 innings. Uh, special little shout out to Keaton Smith in those two games. He was six for nine. Yeah. He had the, obviously everybody knows the big walk off dinger in game two. So it's just nice. They're hitting games are going, the games are being extended. They're putting up a lot of runs. Um, I'm just more or less. This this last couple week week plus of baseball has made me pretty excited to see kind of how they go into the final little stretch here. They're definitely playing their best baseball of the year at a, at a good time here because um, mm-hmm. they, they need to turn it on a little bit. I and mean, they're still tied with UNLV for that fourth and final spot to get into the Mountain West Conference tournament. It certainly feels like they're starting to find their groove, find their identity, cool. finding ways to win games. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind right now, San Jose State. I think they're third in conference. They're riding a nice little seven-game skid. We yep. do still have a three-game series against them. Yep. Yeah, we've, we've been talking about San Jose State pretty much all year <laughs> about what are they doing in first place, and reality is quickly descending upon the San Jose State Spartans. Yeah. <laughs> Back to earth we go. Uh, one of the things we talked about last week going into the UNLV series was two of the Rebels guys were Max Smith and Bryson Stott. Bryson Stott, the best shortstop prospect in the country, depending on who you asked. Or who you ask. Stott had a big weekend. 8 of 14. Only three RBIs. Did push his hitting streak to 12 games. So you limit the damage that he did despite him going 8 for 14. That dude can just hit baseballs. Uh, Max Smith did not have nearly as an efficient weekend. 3 of 13 at the plate. Two ribbies. The two guys combined for one extra base hit. That's just an incredible job by this pitching staff. Taking away UNLV's best dudes. And that's how you end up taking two of three and winning a big series. Uh, you, you take away what a team does best. So that was really good to see as well. Did you have anything else? Yeah, just that it's nice to get it back from UNLV after losing two or three down there. Mm-hmm. It's good to good to even the series out. The last thing, the last couple of things I'll say here. Uh, Ryan Anderson, game one starter. Owen Schartz, game two starter. Jake Jackson, game three starter. Neither threw particularly well o- over the weekend. Uh, I don't think either of them got out of the fifth inning. The bullpen was awesome, though. 
14 innings pitched, 6 runs, 19 punches to 5 walks. The bullpen is, uh, I mean, the offense is starting to become a strength of this team, but the bullpen has been pretty much the strength of this team the entire season. They've been the most consistent group, and you continue to see that over the weekend, and you continue to see that again on Monday and Tuesday against Oregon State. You don't roll out any of your regular starters. You're going bullpen starts in in those games, and you win both of them. 8-7 in 12 innings on Monday, 7-6 in game two on Tuesday, and you need to give some love to Grant Ford. Uh, dude, I don't, he's got a noodle arm. Uh, he threw scoreless 11th and 12th innings on Monday night to pick up the win. He threw a scoreless 10th inning on Tuesday to pick up the win. He pitched <laughs> out of a jam in, against Tuesday. You know that he was tired. I think he was at seven and two thirds over a four day span that included three outings. And dude's been absolutely nails this year. His ERA is at 2.12. This team is not in this position without him. He has been incredible. And he showed that again against a really good Oregon State team. So that, that was a ton of fun to, to follow. And you had mentioned, too, I think you tweeted this last night, Oregon State is done with Nevada this year. <laughs> with Nevada sports, they want nothing to do with this area. Yeah, so the football team comes to Mackey in the fall, and they lose because they can't make a whatever it was, a 40-yard field goal. It might have been closer than that. I think it, I think it was closer than 40. Yeah, it, it wasn't a long field goal. So they missed the field goal to lose by two, 37-35. Then the baseball team comes to Reno and gets walked off on twice at Piccoli. So, uh, yeah, the Beavs are done with Reno. <laughs> They're over it. Before we hear for, from Quentin, we need to show some love as well, not just for Grant Ford, but for Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned and operated by a Nevada grad. It is the spot for officially licensed Nevada apparel. You can hear our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski on episode 023. They have a ton of options, so much fun stuff. You can visit either the Meadowood Mall or campus locations, or you can visit silverandblueoutfitters.com. And time is getting real skinny here. For the third straight month, we're raffling away a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. We're doing that drawing on Tuesday night, April 30th, so less than a week from tonight. And right now, we have one entry in there. One. So if you want to join, you know, get in for the money, <laughs> right now, if, if just you, just you listening to it, you enter, you got a 50-50 shot at $100 to Silver Blue Outfitters. All you have to do is swing by one of the two locations, pop in there real quick, snap a selfie, and then tag the Reno Slant as well as S and B Outfitters. You can do it on Instagram or on Twitter, and you get your name in for the money, and we're doing the drawing live on Instagram on Tuesday night. Okay, let's kick it to our conversation with, with Quentin Conaway, Nevada's punter. Nevada football spring game is on Saturday. He is truly one of the most quotable guys on campus. It was a really fun conversation with Quentin, getting into some punter slang and just like, how do you become a punter? Like, how does that happen? So we, we went down that road as well. An awesome dude. Uh, so glad we could have him on. So here's our conversation. Quentin, my dude. Pumped we can make this happen finally. Uh, th this is awesome. We've been trying to make it happen for several months now. Let let's start on the field here. You guys are obviously in the middle of spring camp. How are, how are things going? Uh, things are going great. And, yeah, I'm super happy to be here too. Big time fan. I know it's not a math <laughs> podcast. So a couple <laughs> months, I don't know. But, we'll <laughs> but uh, no, spring ball is great. Um, it's tons of fun. You know, it's just – it's 
not that like I love doing like the off season workout program, but like you do it to play football. So like it's just right. awesome to just get back out there and kick some balls around. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I, I believe you are the only uh, athlete on campus, that, at least that we know of, that certainly follows us on social and listens to the podcast with some regularity. So, how many of the football guys have you recruited to start listening to the podcast, and why is it not all of them? Okay, well, I wasn't gonna. I'm gonna start my recruiting campaign now that I'm on the show. I'm not a big <laughs> self interest guy, you know. <laughs> I found the I in team, but no, I, I really, I actually am shocked. I'm like, like, I always read everything Chris Murray posts. Like, I just love being like in the know about like everything sports. So mm-hmm. I should do a better job of uh, getting everyone else involved to listen. People know I'm on. So, I mean, I, oh, I, I can, you know, maybe a little spike of at least a handful of listeners sure. this week. I guess we'll see who my true friends are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you're going to be a new ambassador for the podcast. What you really need to start doing is, you know, your van gets all sort of love. You just need to start bumping it in there when you have all the specialists in there. I should. I absolutely should. They, they, they like ask for the ox. I'm like, no, nah, I got it. And I just put the Reno slant on. <laughs> that's the that's the fire there right is. there. That's the fire. <laughs> all right. Um, at what point growing up did you realize you were going to be a punter? Like when does that happen? Okay, well, so my dad was a pilot in the Air Force growing up, right. um, and I, we moved to Oklahoma City uh, when I was in seventh grade, and I'd always just played soccer. That was like the one of the first. I, I lived in Alabama when I was younger, younger, um, but like Oklahoma seventh grade, and I, like just football was so big. So I figured like I could just try out kicking, mm-hmm. and so I did, and I just got into that. I just went to a couple camps, figured it out, and was found out I was pretty good at it. So I stuck with it. Um, I actually really got lucky. The kid a year older than me, his name's Trevor Moore. He um, he was only a year older than me in high school, so I didn't play varsity till my senior year. Um, because he was a freshman All American in North Texas. Um, you know, he was with the Bucks last year in preseason. He he's a beast. So he like really like helped me out like a lot. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. So I he really helped me out get to where I am. I would say like more than a lot of people. But like guys like kick, kicking camps like Chris Saylor, Jamie Cole, like these like kicking lingo terms i guess now you know um <laughs> yeah just all their camps thought i was pretty good but i didn't really start punting like seriously until juco wow. um because i was always a field goal kicker and then i just had a decent year in juco and like every offer i got was for punting so mm. it, it was it was a hard uh, transition um i think that's why there was such a big jump between my first and second year because i just kept figuring out more and more and i'm right. hoping to make a similar jump so yeah but i guess kicking seventh grade punting about two years ago Wow, that's crazy. That, yeah. That's not long at all. What is no. something – you just threw some kicking lingo at us. What, what's something that people maybe – that most people don't know or understand about punting that you find yourself maybe having to explain more or now you have the opportunity to? Oh, man. <laughs> Here we go. This is going to be it. a Let's list. <laughs> okay. Holy crap. Well, first off, it's the hardest one out of all three kicking aspects in my opinion anyway, because you're in charge of catching and kicking. Mm-hmm. Whereas kickoff, you know, it's sitting there, field goal, you got some dude holding for you. So there's so because you're in charge of all that, there's also more variables involved. Um, you know, you have to deal with a moving target. So especially on windy days, I mean, so there's this huge deal of it's windy out, you lower how quick where you drop the ball. Because if you don't, by the time it hits your foot, the wind has just, you know, right. Said, you know, screw you, like, your punt <laughs> is going to go nowhere. So, like, wind sucks. There's tons of variables. Um, people don't realize how fast you have to be getting the ball sure. off. So, like, 
my that's like my weakest part too is that my like quote unquote handle time uh okay. you like we i spend probably 30 minutes every practice at least like with just a coach like with a stopwatch just like are you serious quentin like what are you doing like speed up faster 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 <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll stop the list there because I'm okay. going to start sounding really annoying. But like, no, this is great. This about is, everything. That's something that people never even think about w- sure. with football. So you say handle time. What's a good handle time? So I have 1.27 seconds is okay. my goal handle time, catch to kick. Um, I uh, I probably average like around 1.3. Okay. Um, it's, it's rough. I guess another thing too is how many different like punts there are and how hard it is to like do that. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have, you know, if I'm on the right hash, we have a punt into the sideline. Left hash, punt into the sideline. But then we have, like, cross-field punts. So, like, and then we have all the rugbies we do. And then you have, you know, your pooch punts. And it's just, like, it's it's unbelievable how different they all are. And it's hard switching between them. I would say, like, that, right. is, that is not easy. Like, some days, like, my rugbies are amazing. And I can't hit a traditional punt uh, at all. Like, it's, it's really hard to... Is when game time comes to like be like, hey, like I got to really focus in on getting all these down perfectly. Sure, that's yeah, that's rough. Have you done it yet, at Nevada? Where it's okay, punt it across the field and you kick it to the completely wrong side of the field. Have you done that one yet? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not oh, yeah. good. Not good. You're, I'm running down the field, middle, 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 just hoping my guys here and adjust and like, it, oh, it's a that's a bad feeling because like I mean you're just like oh no and then it's like uh. It, it's 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 brutal. It's only yeah. brutal. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Because so, they set up everything, you know, for that like to go there. So like my right. entire coverage team is running to the left, while the ball is just taking off right. And I'm going the wrong oh, direction. It's a bad feeling. Not good. <laughs> mayday, mayday, mayday. For yeah. sure. Last year you have the 74 yarder versus Fresno. Is that the longest punt of your career? Absolutely. Even yeah. in pra- even in practice. Oh wait. Well, so the 74 was after the roll. I mean, I've probably hit like a hundred yard punt with a roll before, uh, but yeah. we'll take. But like in the air, that thing was a boomer. So yeah, it was pretty good. That one's legit. Okay, it was a legit one. So yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, what's been your worst punt of my Nevada career? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I have one of high school and one Nevada. Okay. Should I start high school? I guess. Yes. <laughs> so my senior night, I did not. I was not a very good team. So we were getting smoked. Like. Mm-hmm. 50 something to nothing and it's like freezing in Oklahoma in you know end of November almost and I remember just catching the ball and it was so cold I could not move it with my hands like at all and I was like well this is it <laughs> I just get I, I probably went 10 yards past the line like it was really bad like <laughs> but I, I walked out the field and my coach was like what the hell and I was like I couldn't move the ball <laughs> yeah. it was so bad that was high school Nevada um, this is the humbling moment. I mean, I dropped a snap against Toledo my first year here. Mm-hmm. That would probably be the worst one. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't, it, it, that was definitely the worst one. Actual punt that got off, it's really like I've had a couple of those that like, go the wrong direction, and that's just not good. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just want to go down the field. Yeah. The drop snap, I mean, that's every punter's worst nightmare. Like, yeah. I, I watch guys on TV when that happens, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like <laughs> I feel for you, dude. Like, oh, you have a different level of empathy, yeah. Yes, for that, absolutely. Yes. What's the coolest thing you can do on the field as a punter? Oh man, um, I think really flipping the field. Okay, I would say like yeah, just knowing like if your offense like for whatever reason it it doesn't go well like I like and you just hit like an absolute 
Kim Jong Un nuke, you know, I mean, like, I mean, a big time one. I hope that's politically correct to say. God, he's not listening. I, I love, I, I love it. <laughs> Actually, I, I have heard that he's a big fan of the podcast. Oh, thank God, he must not be a math guy either. No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like flipping the field is is awesome. Like, it's I'm trying to think of like a specific time when I've done that. Like in the back, I guess like. Arkansas State in the bowl game, um, mm. I had a rugby out of my own end zone, and I think went like 56. So it's just like knowing that, like you know, that they're in their own territory instead of like any closer. That's awesome. I think that's better than like even pinning them deep. Yeah, like that's that's really cool. But like really flipping the field is it's awesome. Just because you know you help your team out like sure. so much. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was gonna go. I, I did find one mo- the San Diego State game this year. I mean, you were awesome in, in that game and then you pretty much ended it with a minute left you pinned pinned him at the one um that had to be up there i guess for you in terms of just like times that you're just pumped because you're someone who certainly shows emotion yeah yeah uh san diego state as a whole was like definitely awesome like my most like just consistent performance ever because like again, like that 74 came against fresno but like i had a couple like you know not as shiny punts where it's like almost everything in san diego is just going well yeah so, I mean, yeah, I was really – I actually didn't even know I got them pinned on the one. I just was like – I was just like – that was like a pretty good punt. And like, I was like, holy crap. It's I didn't say crap. But like, you know, <laughs> I was like, it's on the one. I was like, let's go. And I was like jacked at that point. But no, San Diego was like a, a, a peak. That bowl game are, were really solid. Yeah. 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 So you, you said nuke for a big punt. What, what are some, some nicknames you got or some terms you use, some punter lingo? For awesome punts, nuke, bomb, tank, dinger, <laughs> dinger, smoke show, smoked, um, whack. Uh, let's, yeah, I would, yeah. Those are the main ones. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What about on the other end of the spectrum? Do you have names for crappy punts? Shank. Yeah. Um, a four-letter word that starts with S. <laughs> um, yeah, those two. Okay. 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 So, so <laughs> yeah. more, some more names for the fun punts. Correct. Yeah, Absolutely. Ones. Focus on the positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you hate punters on the other team, or is there a punters fraternity that goes on when, when you play games? Um, I absolutely do not hate punters on the other team. Okay. I hope that we see the other punter all the time on the other team. In fact, I hope he gets the most playing time out of anyone because yeah. that means things are going well. Right. There, but like, there's definitely games I look forward to more because like I'm buddies with their punter. Like uh, Blake Cusick, the Fresno State punter, mm-hmm. is like uh, uh, I've known him for a long time. So like, it's awesome seeing him, and he's really good. So like, yeah, like, I, I hope he performs well, and I yep. hope he has to punt like 20 times. Like, <laughs> so like, it's kind of like that. I mean, I've certainly been out there and like. Like if games are closed, be like, man, I just kind of hope he shanks this one. But like, sure. but for the most part, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like good buddies with all the other punters. Even ones like you don't know, mm-hmm. you're, you're like out there together at halftime and kind of like introduce each other to yourself and you know stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, well there's times that are halftime where you guys are the only ones out there, so right. it only makes sense. So right. l- last year, I don't know if you dubbed it last year, but it's when I first noticed you say fourth down quarterback, which is hilarious. Uh, how often are you lobbying to run a punter pass trick play? Oh man, um, I you know what we pretty often I guess like I'll, we'll be on the practice and I'm like, hey Coach Perry, check this out. You know, like like do like a long throw or something. And unfortunately, I'd probably shoot myself in the foot because sometimes those throws do not go as planned. Um, <laughs> they've given me a couple opportunities in practice, and I'll say I'm getting better. But I have definitely had some not impressive moments sure. in um, <laughs> in fake situations. Well, if you have if you have some downtime in practice, you, you just gotta sneak in with the QBs 
for a couple drills. I should. Start getting I, that I spiral tight. Manning, yeah, I know Peyton Manning, you elbow the brother, wipe the windshield, flick the booger. So that's like all I really know, but it'll get me somewhere maybe. <laughs> I think this may be incorrect, but I was looking through your stats and I saw that in 2017 it says that you threw a pass. Is that accurate? 20, is that my first year here? Yeah, that was your first yeah. year. Okay, yeah. So another awesome moment in my amazing career when I dropped a field goal snap. I had two drops, and those are the two. And so like, I literally I dropped the field goal snap, and I was like, oh, crap. Except fire, not fire, crap. fire, fire. Fire, fire, fire. And so I picked it up, and I was like – at this point, I was like, I can't do anything with this other than I, I knew if I could throw it forward, then they would get the ball at the line of scrimmage, right. not where they tackled me. <laughs> so I literally just found a pocket where no one was so they couldn't intercept it and like threw it forward past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so that's – you know what? In all it's just a heads-up football play. Just like, a smart really. play. I mean that's just, just a, a smart, smart play. play. A great incompletion. <laughs> exactly. And we won that game. So I mean, I mean I don't know. Like pretty big impact. Not, not without your your contribution, the, the incomplete pass. <laughs> Correct for sure, absolutely. So I saw also in seventeen you had a tackle. So are we are we going to see you start laying some hat this fall? Do you ever do tackling drills in case you do need to make a play in the open field? I think that's a stats error. Okay, I don't so remember no. having a tackle. Okay. Um, I do remember barely touching Rashad Penny's shoulder pad. There's actually an amazing picture of me reaching out and. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. Maybe okay. I don't know if you can. Like, it's bad. Like, Christian's <laughs> coordinator does not like that picture. But I touched, uh, you know, a first round draft pick on his way into the end zone. Um, we but can we make abs- that a new stat. Absolutely touches. <laughs> Shoulder pad uh, touches. Yes, um, we do uh, participate in tackling drills mm-hmm. probably like once a week with uh, with Coach Perry, just to, like to try to be prepared. Right. Um, I hope they work. I well, actually, I hope they don't work because I hope I never am in that situation to find out. Well, it's got to be like the worst feeling as a punter. This dude has a full running start. You're kind of just sitting there in the wide open field, and you're kind of just like, "Well, this sucks." We kind of yeah, know how this yeah, is gonna go. Like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, I should have come to church more. Like, like <laughs> bad thoughts start spiraling through your head. Our, the idea is normal. Okay, so if you see like a punter or a kicker in like the true open field, mm-hmm. like. Normally, they're doing a bad job of there. Like, I'm supposed to be, like, kind of in the thick of things okay. because the, the whole idea is, like, yeah, like, if you're in the open field, like, dude, like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm supposed to almost be there right when he would, like, squirt out of a hole for okay. me to, like, disrupt. That makes but, sense. again, that obviously does not happen that often because of the endless YouTube highlights of kickers getting dusted and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all in theory. Sure. All right, so we asked about, I asked about camp earlier. We kind of touched on that. And I do want to talk a little bit about the, the coming season for you here. Before we do that, uh, a big talking point last year was attendance. And you couldn't really go anywhere talk about Nevada football without the attendance issues and whatever the reasons are. I think it's several factors. Is that something that guys on the team ever talked about? Yeah, it for sure is, especially right now. We're, like, doing, like, we have a leadership council mm-hmm. and, like, where like every week we're talking about different ways to try to get people to fill seats. Like we did that video, the Forrest Gump video. I don't know if you've seen Which it. Which was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was great. yeah. We're doing like we're trying to do just more goofy stuff to try to get people in seats because like, I mean, Caleb Fossum at, at Washington State, like he knows what it's like to play in front of all those people. Like we right. like when you know, when we traveled there, like you know, like just all these people, like you, you it you want that like mm-hmm. at your school, right? So yeah, definitely people that we talk about it. It really wasn't like talked about during the season that much. Like I don't think because it's kind of like a 
a screw it almost mentality. Like I, we hope they come, but you know, yeah. maybe if not, I just remember thinking like the, the moment where it stuck out to me was senior night. And like, I did like, again, all the various reasons, like the seven thirty PM kickoffs, like maybe not optimal for everyone, right? whatever. But I remember what, like Oregon state was awesome. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't sold out, but it was dope. Like, I mean, there was a lot of people there, but yeah. like, and then but, like, just to, when senior night, we walked out there, I think it was like our smallest home crowd of the year. I was like, man, I'm like, I don't like, I was like, I just, I want my senior night to be better. Like sure. that's what I was like, I'm going to try to help fill seats because like i mean guys work so hard like tons of guys work harder than me and like deserve deserve it more than mm-hmm. i do like and i want so i want all my other senior brothers to, like have the best senior night possible and, like and hopefully for it to carry on and like again there's like a, a numerous issues and like i like i love meeting all of our fans like i'll be in whole foods and people notice my van and say something and, like i love <laughs> our fans so like no nothing knocking on them but right. like it, it would be cool to just see like more seats filled for sure mm-hmm. Are any ideas other than coming on the Reno Slant podcast coming to fruition from that leadership council? Because I'm sure there are a couple different things you guys are maybe starting to kick around. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this was obviously the number one priority. Yes, um, obviously. Ob- obvi- <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but, you know, like, so again, the goofy videos, we've been going around trying to, like, talk to Greek life, get them more involved. Sure. We're thinking about trying to talk with administration because, like, student tailgating, this is before I got here, I guess, got taken away. And, like, we're hoping, like, to maybe work something out to get that back for, yeah. like, more students. Um, I, You know, We'll we'll really do whatever it takes. Like mm-hmm. Caleb Fossum and I dressed up in our full pads and walked around campus the other day <laughs> and just talked to random people. We literally walked into random classrooms. We're like, please come to the spring game. Like we will really do anything. Like I, we just, like <laughs> we did that. And it was it embarrassing and cringy, absolutely. But like it was worth it. And like I just if if one more person comes from all this stuff we do, then it's totally it's, worth it's it. It's a win. You guys it's didn't you guys didn't get that on video? You two running well, around. Well, we did. We did. Okay. It should be. It should be. It should be coming. I think it's a pretty short video, mm-hmm. but uh, but it, it. I think they're gonna release it at some point. I don't know. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing that. Should be. Yeah. Has Has anyone jumped out to you? Um, through spring camp, maybe someone you weren't expecting, or maybe someone you were expecting who's playing really well. I, I guess what What have you kind of taken away through spring camp here? Um, we have this, uh, early incoming freshman receiver, Melquan Stovall. Um, he's like a beast. Like I, again, I don't really get to watch as much as like, I, I wish I could sometimes, but like when I do, I just see him make like some ridiculous catches, which is like super cool. I think all the quarterback play has been like really, really good. I think like they're making like, I, like, I just, I kind of, I don't know why I thought, and I don't even know who I thought it would be, but mm-hmm. I figured someone would distance themselves and like like just today like i just saw awesome quarterback play and like it's just it's just like really great to like yeah. see that um well let me see if uh other than those i mean i think like elijah cook's doing great i think caleb caleb foster has been like dealing with some injury stuff but like he's de- like he oh no oh ben putman holy crap ben is doing amazing oh, keeping it going oh yeah oh ben is a production machine you should i mean it's like every other play i swear is going to ben like he, uh, he just does. Uh, all the coaches say the same thing. Ben does everything right all the time, mm-hmm. and it, it's no surprise because, like, I mean, he just runs a perfect route. It's like, what do you know? He's probably going to be open. Special teams is always doing the right thing. So, I, not that, not that, I, not that I'm surprised, I guess. But mm-hmm. like, he's like, because I knew that. But like, yeah. yeah, he's just always involved. Well, yeah. Ben, I mean, you had an awesome moment last fall when you were awarded the full scholarship uh, during fall camp. Ben had arguably the coolest scholarship awarding of all time. Like you're just not oh, going to yeah. beat that at what happened at the bowl game. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like just with all the emotion flying high and then just to like cap it off with that. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's so awesome, especially because like in fall camp, I'm not saying like I definitely was not expecting it that day. Mm-hmm. But like in fall camp is when guys get put on. You know, right. it's like so it's like you kind of just know like at some point you hope it's going to come. Mm-hmm. Then a complete surprise and the win yeah. and with his role and such a good dude. I mean, like, yeah, that that's got to be one of the best ever, like for sure. Yeah, so you had a, somewhat of an idea that it could be coming when you were given the scholarship last year. I, I definitely like not that day, but I was like, I was like, I've had a good spring. Mm-hmm. I, I had an amazing spring. I've had a good fall so far. Like my academics are still solid. Like I like I just hoped, you know. I was like, I, I wasn't. I would. I told Coach Perry this. Like he brought it up. Like after my first season, I was like, like I'm not going anywhere. Like I love it here. Like it's not like I like I'm like demand. I'm not a demanding person, but like. I was like definitely hoping for it. And Coach Perry actually tried to get my parents to come because it was on a Saturday practice. So like yeah. we do like a, like scrimmages kind of, and and he was like, uh, "Yo, uh, you should maybe tell your parents to come to the practice tomorrow." And I was like, "Why?" <laughs> like they live in Sacramento. <laughs> right. And he was like, he was like, you know, just maybe add some pressure to you or something. Just maybe not be nice. Might be nice to see him. And I literally call my mom and dad. I'm like, "Yeah, Coach Perry said you guys could come to practice, but like." We're not even punting tomorrow. Like, I don't even like. <laughs> I don't know. And they're like, "Yeah, we're just not gonna come." My mom, literally, yeah. my mom was like, "Yeah, no." You think you're gonna put on scholarship? Ooh. And then I was like, "She called it. She's actually in my apartment right now." But she called it, and she was like, "And I was like, no, like, no way." And then it happened. Wow. I literally, my mom was the first person I called, and I was like, "Mom, I'm so sorry. You nailed it. I should, I should have told you to come." <laughs> Mom, mom's always right. Always right. Absolutely, yeah. So you mentioned at the top the, the the growth between your first year at Nevada and last year. I mean, your average uh, punt it was like four yards further last year. Yeah. I think you're just north of forty three yards per punt you averaged. So, what's the goal? Do you, do you have a goal in mind for your senior year of what you would like your average punt to be? Have you started thinking about that yet? Um, I think forty four would be really cool. Forty four. Um, if yeah, um, I really I'm really worried about the net. I guess like the average is like the cool personal stat, mm-hmm. um, but I think that like so we like we had the top net in the conference at forty yards. Like right. that's like that's like ridiculous. So like I like because you know I could average really high numbers, but maybe not in the right places, mm-hmm. you know, and like stuff like that. Like so the net is really like the true telltale sign of like how well I did like overall. Right. Uh, but I would love forty four. I guess if I had to say what I would love to average forty four. If we could net forty again, I mean that that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. For for people listening who may not understand, net is from the line of scrimmage to where the guy who receives the punt gets tackled. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I mean, so yeah, we averaged forty three point six. They netted forty, like average a three yard, less than a four yard return all season. That's mm-hmm. like That's that great. was it was awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Is it weird heading into your senior year? Yeah, it's like really weird. Like <laughs> I'm gonna miss football so much. Like I don't even know what I'm gonna do. Like it's it's a uh, it's very strange. Like I, I, I wish I could talk to my it, my younger self, and it's sad. Every year, all the seniors are like, "Do as much as you can, stay after, do extra." Mm-hmm. I'm doing extra every second I can. Like I'm doing core with the receivers after. I'm staying after that and running for like I'm run. Like why would I do this? Like oh my <laughs> god, I'm I'm doing as much recovery as I can. I'm like walking around coaches offices like with random times like just trying to be involved because i'm like in a year from now i'm not gonna be able to just do this Mm -hmm. right like i'm really trying to like absorb as much as i can like because yeah it's 
it's definitely weird. That's yeah. awesome, man. Good for you. That would be my advice as well. Soak it up. Do everything you can. Right. Ha- have you thought about what it would take for you to maybe try to play next level? Oh, man. You know, like, obviously, like, I had a good year. And, like, I'm, like, I have, like, ability. But I train with guys in the offseason, uh, NFL guys. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, they're, you know, they're, like, slightly better than me. I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to not try and try my hardest to get there um but i would say i have like a realistic attitude about like my potential Mm -hmm. and yeah like if the shot happens and it comes like i'm gonna be super happy and overjoyed and and you know just try to rep like nevada as well as i can but like just based on like what i know of what it takes Mm -hmm. i would say i would consider myself like a, a long shot i would say yeah just need a shot dude just need just that's all i need foot in the door just like sure. you guys are giving me my shot at you know fame right now, all I need is a shot. Well, I don't know if you had it before, but now you're on the podcast. I think I think you've established it now. I exactly, think. true. You're right. You've you're met right. the threshold. <laughs> I'm here. Let's go. So I know you're going to be doing a lot of stuff this summer, getting ready for the fall. But what what are your plans this summer? Plans this summer. Um, I make my man around. Oh, duh, of course. Um, I make myself go to Tahoe twice a week over the summer. Yep. Like I like, I just make myself because like I grew up in Oklahoma City. Like I didn't have that. Nope. Like when I went to JUCO in Huntington Beach, I went to the beach five times a week, like minimum. Like I was like, I'm all about getting out and like absorbing. In my first year in Reno, I did not do that like at all. I didn't ski enough. I didn't go to Tahoe enough. So I definitely go to Tahoe. I hike and hang my hammock up and like read. I read a lot. Okay. So like that's like my thing. Um, might, I might go on another little road trip up in the Pacific Northwest area again. Um, going to try to spend some time in SoCal, but Reno's like home for me. So, uh, I, re- I really enjoy all my time in Reno. I don't really think there's too much need to travel too far from here with everything I have to offer and all my friends here. So getting better, getting tan, adding some reps on the bench press and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I heard you told, tell the NSN guys you can do eight reps at 225. Yep. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. That's really, I mean, really I, I showed up to Nevada not being able to do it once. Um, so I've, wow. I've like, yeah, I'm like, I've always wanted to be like bigger, you know, mm-hmm. like swole and stuff. Bouncing around like to so many schools my first year and a half, like it's, it's kind of hard to without like a consistent program. Yeah. So like I've really tried to like better myself like as much as I can like while here. Well, what's, what's your max, bro? What's my max, bro? Yeah. Oh, man, probably like 2,000, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't done like a weight max on okay. bench, like just 225. But I mean, 225 for eight, I feel like That's I a lot. Like 260 two, or something. Two, at yeah. least 260. You might, yeah. you might get up 275 range, throw some 25s on there with the two hey, plates. Tw- twist my arm and maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that can be a promotional video this summer. Try to get fans, look at, look at Quentin, do some maxing out on the bench. I think that would just bring people in by the millions. So, yeah, maybe we should hit the marketing department. I don't know. What's, what's your favorite beach at Tahoe? So you go to Tahoe. I just like uh, Incline Village. Okay. Um, I love everything up there. Like, definitely, like I would say, like, southern beaches are more like party scene. I guess, like yep. as it's like time and place. Like, sure. I really like going and like just going honestly like, by myself or with like really chill people that like are down to stay in the same place. And just like chill and like read for like hours. Yeah. So yeah, I go to Incline. I'd say. So not so much Zephyr on the fourth. Other end of the spectrum. <laughs> Other end of the spectrum. Time and place. Awesome time. Great. But my typical just Incline Village chilling out yeah. uh, by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, it was so great having you on. I love that we could finally make this happen. I appreciate you making the time, and let's get you on again soon. Okay. 
I would love to be on whenever whenever you'll have me, dude. And hey, I think you should add a maybe a now and then a favorite player on our roster segment. We've got some awesome dudes. Awesome that, dudes. There we go. That's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> Could be worse. I'll, I'll Could run. Be worse. I'll run that by the board. And see what, I'll see what uh, put it on the board, baby. I like it. All right. Thanks so much, brother. It was a lot of fun. Nevada baseball is hoping to keep it going this weekend, going to Air Force for, I would say, a big series. But as we've mentioned, they're all big series at this point. Game one, Friday at 2. So you got some day baseball on Friday, Saturday at noon, and then Sunday at 11 a.m. Bro, what's something we need to know or remember about the Falcons? We talked about the hitting, lack thereof, of their offense. As of right now, where it's standing of the guys that, you know, Almost everyday starters. There's another dude in here, but I'm going to keep him off because he's only played in a couple games. But Ashton Easley and Nick Reddy, they're two guys in the starting lineup that have, are only, they're only two guys in the starting lineup batting over 300 right now. Easley's batting 318. Reddy's batting 301. They do also lead the team with home run or home runs perspective, respectively. Six for Easley, five for Reddy. The funny thing was though, as I was looking for pitching stats as well. I did notice that Ashton Easley has got a little bit of a – he's had some appearances on the mound. Mm. He is also rocking one of those beautiful 40-plus ERAs. I think his is sitting around 45 or something. Yeah, he's, gotten, <laughs> he's gotten two innings, five hits, nine earned, and five base on balls. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. That might have been the game. Didn't it, was it Air Force that had the game where they gave up like 38 runs? It was something along those lines. I think they were thro- about to put the bat boy on the mound. <laughs> Uh, so Nevada is turning it on right now. Nevada's won seven of eight. Air Force is doing the opposite. Uh, Air Force has lost seven of nine. They're 17 and 22. They're seven and 12 in the Mountain West. That's last in the conference. They're only a half game behind New Mexico though. Their RPI is at 121. New Mexico, by the way, is worse than the Mountain West at 185. Uh, and as I met, we already hit on this. I wanted to mention this as well. You, you beat me to it. San Jose State, uh, struggling right now. Uh, only two games ahead of Nevada and UNLV, which are in fourth place right now. So the Mountain West is a complete log jam. Uh, Air Force is finding itself now, uh, lower and lower on that log jam because they're, they're just not playing very good baseball right now. Their only series win of the year, by the way, worth pointing out. They've won one Mountain West series and of course, three and a half weeks ago in Reno. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I'm sure we mentioned this guy the first go around, but I'm going to mention it again just because he's been that Dynamite, it's Jake Gilbert, senior starting pitcher on the season right now. His numbers, he's got 48 two-thirds innings pitch. He's at a 1.85 ERA, 1.29 whip. He's got 35 Ks, only given 10 earned in almost 50 innings, 4-2 and two record. Now, keep in mind, though, we did talk about that last – you just mentioned that last series against Nevada. When he pitched against Nevada, it was the second most hits he's given up in outing with nine. It was tied for the least amount of strikeouts. He only had two. And it was also tied for the most get runs given up in any outing with three total runs. All right. Uh, by the way, I just did some quick little uh, research. The, it was 30 runs they gave up against Dallas, Dallas Baptist. Dallas Baptist, national powerhouse. 30 runs. <laughs> what do you do after that? He's like going to the locker I don't room know. like... Do you be pissed? Do you laugh at yourself? Like you can't even be, you can't even be mad about that. It's it's hard to give up thirty runs if you put the ball on a tee and you're just playing straight up defense. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's awful. It's like a little <laughs> league team playing a I don't even know it, a team brutal. that's not little league. Uh, Air Force's their staff ERA is not great. 
They're rocking a 5-4 as a group. That's fifth out of the seven teams in the Mountain West. They've given up 31 dingers. Only UNLV has given up more, 44. Uh, they're going to be pitching an altitude this weekend against a red-hot offense. They have struck out a league-low 260 batters this year. And as we mentioned, Nevada is getting better at limiting strikeouts at the plate. Uh, it is worth mentioning against Oregon State, the two games, they did strike out 28 times. That's a lot. Granted, that's against Oregon State. That's the best staff Nevada's going to see this year. So you would think that you would like that matchup going into that game, considering the fact that Air Force has not even been a slightly dominant on the bump this year. And Nevada's bats are really starting to warm up. And we'll see playing at even greater altitude if, if that can uh, you know, help out even more. Have any other? Well, the third final thing I was going to talk about was the record and their late late struggles. So I had to quickly look at something real quick. I'm going to say hit the ball at Alexander Pup. He is leading the team right now. 14 airs in freshman infielder. Get in his mind. Well, yeah, what's he probably play shortstop? Uh, I think he, on here, of course, they don't have it listed as position. Yeah, it just says infield. So if they haven't shoved him over to second base, yeah, they're doing something wrong. Well, in, in fairness to, to Pup, the shortstop usually leads the team in airs. Just well, because they got, get the he, most he, ground balls. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's fair, but he's almost got doubled, so I'm not giving him that much slack. All right, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you a hashtag analysis on that one. Good, good stuff out of you. Uh, I'm ready for you, <laughs> Air Force has a team batting average of 265. That's sixth in the Mountain West, again, out of seven total teams. They're scoring less than 5.2 runs per game. Only San Jose State is worse. They struggle offensively as well. This is a team that's pretty much bottom of the Mountain West everywhere you look. Not necessarily going to scare you anywhere statistically. The one thing they do a lot of is, we talked about this before the first series, is they run a ton. They put a lot of pressure on you on the base paths. Their 76 stolen base attempts lead the Mountain West. A senior outfielder, Drew Wiss, he leads the team. He's 9 of 13 swooping bags this year. So they don't, they aren't, uh, they aren't a powerhouse offensively. They're not going to scare you with, with their bats. And they know that. So what they try to do is put the pressure on you on the base pass, try to stretch singles into doubles by swooping second. Uh, so this team is going to be be active on the base pass when they get there. Who, who is your favorite player on the other roster? We got Nathan Price. Great first freshman. Name. I was going to say one of the worst first names I've ever heard. But freshman right-handed pitcher. He is from Peachtree City, Georgia. And other than that fantastic city name, that's pretty much all they had. I don't know if this is just an an Air Force thing or what, but their stats or their bios are the most plain things I've ever heard. I think, thing, I think we talked about this the first time we played Air Force. Like, we need to liven it up, guys. We're baseball players. Yeah, we're, we're not We're not listening to music, playing video games, and hanging out with our friends. We need more than that. Listen to this, guys. Member of Cadet Squadron 2. Okay. Nice. Son to James and Susan. Average. Class has, Susan. One, has one sister, Hannah. That was his whole bio. I'm really, like, really, this guy really, really knew a lot about him now. I'm like, I feel like I could be Nathan Price's best friend now. Because apparently all he does is just sit in a room and twiddle his thumbs. If you're from Peachtree City, you better be from Georgia. <laughs> like, when you sound like that sounds like a place from Georgia. So, all right, we're spot on there. I went with 6'1", sophomore outfielder, Jonathan Imperial. He hails from Wapato, Washington. Oh, yeah. So, Pacific Northwest boy that's just south of Yakima, Washington, what does Yakima remind you of? Are you talking about the Minor Burgers? Minor Burger. It's like the best burger you've ever had. So if, you, if people have been to Yakima, they've been to Minor Burger, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you need to check it out. Minor Burger in Yakima. Place is epic. Uh, 
I did have a question for Jonathan, though. Being from Wapato, of course, his favorite Major League Baseball team is the Mariners. His role model is Ken Griffey Jr., also the namesake of our boxer. His favorite player, though, Albert Pujols. I have questions. I have I have yeah. serious questions here, Jonathan. I don't, so I don't know how much of a Mariner fan we are for favorite players, Albert Pujols. We, we, that's that's a problem for me. I say I feel like some allegiances are being crossed there. What are your What are your keys to a series win? I'll just keep it simple. Keep the sticks going. I'll I'll let you say your stat and use it to however you're going to twist it here in a second. But <laughs> I'll just I'll I'll lead you into saying let's keep the sticks going. I literally had written down in my notes keep it going offensively. What whatever they are doing, keep it doing. If if you're doing the the powwow in the outfield before or everyone's praying to the bats, baseball players, it gets weird. If you haven't played baseball, mm-hmm. it gets weird. And I can guarantee you they're doing some weird things before the games and it's working. So whatever you guys are doing, keep it keep it up. Uh, over the last seven games, they're averaging over 10 runs per game. 10 runs per game over a seven-game stretch. That's such a drastic difference from where at the be- beginning of the year. So, yeah, d- definitely uh, keep it going offensively. Oh, it's nine day from what they were doing the first half of the season. Next one, if need be, go to extra innings. Nevada is 4-1 <laughs> when, be- when going beyond the nine. It's an 80% win rate. That's what we'll take. Nevada, just if you need to go to extras, I'm not concerned. <laughs> you don't love going to extras on the road, giving up the, giving up the last AB. Uh, my thing, or what my next point is, I would like to see the starters kind of get back into a groove. I, I mentioned that Ryan Anderson, Owen Charge, Jake Jackson, they, neither of them had their best outings last week. Neither of them got out of the fifth inning. This is an Air Force team that isn't going to ter- terrify you offensively. The bullpen has been taxed of late, especially the two-game series against Oregon State where you relied entirely on bullpen arms. So it would be really nice to see those guys you know, get into the sixth, seventh inning where you don't have to roll Grant Ford out twice. So I'd like to see those guys uh, push it out this weekend. I just had those two points. The last one I got. Limit Air Force's running game. We've already kind of spoke to this. This is what the Falcons do. They manufacture runs. Nevada staff has done actually a really good job of holding guys on this year. They've only allowed 30 stolen, stolen base attempts. So they're keeping guys honest. They're mixing their pace. They're not getting predictable. Uh, when they, in the first series, Air Force did go four of seven. So they did have some success, uh, swooping bags. Um, so that'll be something to, to watch this weekend as well. What is your prediction? I'm going to go with Nevada snags two or three. Nevada is, oh, were you going to say something else? I was, no, I was going to say, what do you got going on? I got a lot going on. Uh, Nevada is playing its best ball of the year. We've kind of mentioned that already. They've won seven of eight Air Force, other end of the spectrum. They've lost seven of nine. Uh, Owen Schartz, I kind of want to bring back, remember it was, was it last week, two weeks ago, we were talking about his game two start at New Mexico, that that might have been like a turning point. For this team to get it going, uh, they, they put up a zero in that one. It snapped a four game skid and that was, that started the run of winning seven of eight games. So let, let's still keep that game two start for Owen Sharp's circle. That was a big one. Uh, sweeps are tough, uh, especially on the road. I, I, I'm with you though. I, I got Nevada winning two of three for the third hey, straight weekend. I mean, two of three, we'll take that. The way they're playing, that's all you need. Series wins are, are tough. Series wins on the road are especially tough. Two of three would, would be a big-time win for Nevada. Okay, let's jump into some slants. Uh, before we do, though, if you are looking to tighten it up before it's shirt-optional season in northern Nevada, and, and we're already getting there, 
you need to check out Movement Nutrition in Reno. Jake's going to work with you and provide you with a custom fitness plan, a custom nutrition plan. He's going to say, hey, you need to eat nothing but broccoli. No, he's not. He's going to allow you to eat what you want and when you want. I'm serious. You guys seriously need to check out the social media stuff. He's always posting uh, some before and after pictures of people, and it really is crazy. Uh, he's going to limit your cravings and your binge eating that really gets you and me in trouble. Uh, it's practical and proven, so strongly encourage you guys check it out today. Visit movementnutrition.com. That's M-O-V-E-M-I-N-T nutrition.com, or call 775-538-5555. Let's start with games of the weekend. What do you have uh, circled? What Man, it's been a lot of fun with sports of late, by the way. What, what are some games you have you're looking at? Well, that night shark game last night. Bummer for all the, bummer for all the Knights fans, but I'm not a huge hockey guy, but that game was great. Okay, let's, I mean, let's, I, let's address that. I, I kind of went on a little mini Twitter rant yeah, last night, I, Tuesday night. And let, let me preface this by saying I don't know when that you know egregious call was made. I'm oh, assuming you didn't even see it? No, I think it was before oh. I tuned because I didn't tune in until late the third period because I was catching up on the OA. But ooh, the OA—that's a great show, <laughs> new series. But anyways, let's go back. Uh, so my thoughts are this: that's the wrong call. It's the wrong call, though. If that is by the letter of the law or letter of the rule, then the rule is stupid. It was a cross check. If anything, it was a two minute penalty. To hand out a five-minute major to kick Cody Eakin out of the game, who already has a goal, by the way, in game seven of a rivalry series in the playoffs, to make a call that impactful at that spot is the wrong call. You cannot make the call. The fact that it is it was pretty apparent that that was a reactionary call, the refs made the call based on the result of what happened as opposed to the actual action, that is brutal. And inexcusable on that stage. You cannot do that. You absolutely cannot. The Sharks do not win that game if they don't get that call. It's a 3 nothing game at that point. There was 10 or 11 minutes left. The Sharks aren't scoring four goals in three minutes without going up a man for five minutes. It's just not happening. That said, the Knights should have had an opportunity to win the game in game five. Or the series in game five. They had an opportunity to win the series in game six. And even in game seven, you can't give up four goals in four minutes on the power play. The power kill has been, was awesome for them that game. It's pretty strong for them the entire series. They crumbled. They absolutely choked. Mm-hmm. They had every chance to win the series and they did not do it. That doesn't mean it's the right call. Yeah. That doesn't mean the better team won that game or the series. It was an awesome series. It was a ton of fun. One of the cool things about playoff series is I feel like more times than not, the better team wins game seven. The better team wins in that situation. And I did not feel that was the case on Tuesday night. And I it was kind of weird. It was like the first time, like, my Twitter followers, there was a, a divide because there's obviously a lot of Shark fans in Reno. Mm-hmm. And so I had people throwing stats at me. Well, they had more shots on goal, and they had more power plays, and they hit posts. Well, that's exactly what the Knights did in game six. They dominated shots on goal. They were the, I thought they were the better team. They could have been the better team in game six and they lost that game. So, um, it, it was brutal. It was tough to see. That was the most invested I've ever been in a hockey game. I find my Knights fans were spoiled 
to an extent last year in his expansion franchise. Uh, I don't even know if I'd say to an extent. I think they were just oh, they were, spoiled. Okay, they were absolutely spoiled. So now, like, Tuesday night was their christening. Like, you, mm-hmm. you've had your heart ripped out of your chest, and now you can say you are a Golden Knights NHL hockey fan because that was painful. You are now an official sports team. You have had your heart ripped. <laughs> I, I, I W the, you, you are a sports fan now because that, that was brutal. Welcome and to the eternal misery. Yeah. It was even on the ice. So, uh, Jonathan Marsh is so, I mean, he gave a expletive riddled rant after the game, which I thought was awesome. But the explanation the players got from the refs were, it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad, which just says, okay, so you, you called the penalty. Based off the reaction or based off the result, not the action. You didn't stop action. You didn't stop play immediately after it happened. You stopped play after you realized he was down on the ice. The fans start booing. The fans start throwing crap and you reward him for it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you, you hope that, that, you know, the injury isn't too bad and we're going to be okay. Um, but that was not the right call in that situation. It totally swung that game. And going into it, they'll give a quick little bit. That is kind of where, in my opinion, we're going a little too far with replay and everything. When you slow everything down to a hundredth of a second or a thousand, you know, when they're looking at, especially in football and now in this, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I didn't see it, so I don't exactly know how much replay they went into it, but you start picking up little things that in real time aren't necessarily as bad. And that's, if we just keep going down this road of, you know, extreme replay and like, you know, drilling into everything, it's going to cause more issues and it's going to cause more instances. Well, they, you can't, it's not a, re, it's not a reviewable play in hockey. So it, it wasn't reviewed. And that was a case where I think other end of the spectrum where you have something that significant, a five minute major, five minute power play, game seven. I, those are the way the rule is written is so subjective. It says excessive mm-hmm. force. But anyone who follows hockey, I mean, granted, I'm new to the sport, but apparently a cross check happens on pretty much every face-off, and Vegas got penalized because dude slipped. I mean, th- yeah. that really is what it came down to, and that was a situation where you almost would like to see replay because you watched the replay, and it was like, that's what they're given five minutes for. That's what you're swinging a game seven on. That's brutal. That's brutal. All right, and, and rant. And <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised now if the Sharks go on a, a run. If you're gonna if you're gonna win a championship, you need a few things to go your way, and they got That's a cool. huge, huge break. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do something special now. Okay, there's our hockey. There's our hockey segment, and and, and there's talking hockey. Uh, <laughs> what are some other games you're looking forward to this weekend? Other than that, I'm not as I'm not as invested in NHL. So for basketball, great seeing Portland win a series. Oh, I'm dude. Dame. Dame shot. I'll fully wear. I have been a local Portland doubter ever since I've been there. I, you know, I, I know the song and dance. They get to the playoffs every year. They get bounced. They get to the playoffs, get bounced. They maybe win a series here and there, but get bounced early. So great to see what they did. That was just a total dagger too. I don't know if you saw Dame. He had some quote about Russell Westbrook and he was saying how Russell's always told him that he, you know, he owns or beats Lillard and Dame said that, you know, that just shows that, you know, everything he's saying is just garbage. <laughs> Russ is just running his mouth, which is also hilarious because don't like Russ. So the next series, what it's like looking like it's going to be is Portland versus Denver. Yep. I mean, I'll watch. And then the other one, you got Bucks versus Boston. That's going to be hope. That's, uh, Dude, actually, Giannis actually, think, is so freaking fun to watch. Yeah. Giannis is nuts. Well, it's, and the fact that, or Giannis, you know, got, how you pronounce his name. 
well, you got these superstars, and he's a fun superstar. He's an interactive superstar, so it only makes you like him even more. Yeah. But that's going to be another good one. So going back to the Blazers really quickly here. I'm biased, but it's hard for me to find a franchise that's more dislikable, that's more easy to hate than OKC. So obviously there's the baggage with with the Sonics, and Mm -hmm. that whole thing was an absolute scam. Seattle got absolutely robbed. It's a joke. But now you have Russell Westbrook. I just find it's so hard for me to root for him. And then you have, so I think it was game three. Blazers win the first two in Portland. Game three, the game is over. There's about a minute left. The game's decided. And I forget who it was. It might have been, it might have been Schroeder. Throws down a dunk on Dame and they start doing his, the wristwatch tap and rocking the baby, just totally mocking him. Yeah. Totally yeah. mocking him. Dame doesn't say anything, doesn't go out of his way, hardly acknowledges mm-hmm. it. And then what's he do? In game five in Portland, he says, in your freaking eye from 37 feet away. Scores Dude, 50 from, points. From a mile out, he drilled that. Just insane. Just absolutely insane. And then did you see what Paul George said after the game? No, I didn't see what he said. It's a bad shot. I don't care what you say. That was a bad shot. What? Um, No, it was one of the best shots that like anyone <laughs> can remember in recent history. And that's it a happened bitter, in your that's, eye. That's just a guy that's butt hurt. And does so <laughs> mad. So mad. Understandably. I'm, hey, I've been mad too, but everybody should just start tweeting Paul George how mad. He's, he's gonna be on, he's gonna be on many, many posters. Um, him, I mean, I don't know what you do if you're him. Like, how closely do you really want to guard him? But, ha- like, have some court awareness, I would assume. I mean, there's three seconds left. Dame is just standing Damn. there. What are his options? He's not gonna pass it. You know he's got a pole, so get up on him. Dude, my in-depth basketball knowledge, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, why was he not in his face? Obviously, he's going to shoot it. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it was a step back from 37 feet away, which was disgusting. Um, but, yeah, t- Tuesday night between the Night Sharks and that game, so much fun. Such a fun sports night. Uh, looking forward to this upcoming weekend now. I will go hyper-local. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of intrigue in the Silver and Blue Spring game on Saturday, 1 o'clock. Uh, a couple things that I'm really curious to see. Obviously, the quarterbacks, uh, Christian Solano, Carson Strong, Malik Henry. Is one of those three dudes going to stand out? I would be shocked if there's one guy who's like head and shoulders above the group. Uh, I, I think Malik Henry is the guy that most people are just kind of fascinated to see. There have been some reports that he's looked really good. Um, how is he fitting in with the team? That's kind of TBD because that was one of the concerns for him coming in, certainly, last chance you and how he was portrayed. Um, so super curious to see what the quarterbacks look like. I'm also really curious to see the safeties, what they look like. You got offensive dudes playing safety. You lost a ton back there. Came in Carrington, Chris Murray did a story on him, talking about how he thinks he's going to be – or he thinks he can be legendary at the safety position. He was recruited to the SEC out of high school to play defense. So how quickly can he pick it back up and now start learning coverages and schemes and the mental aspect of it is going to be like the biggest probably learning curve for him because he's certainly a freak athlete. So I think that will be our first chance of seeing him and maybe give a realistic idea of, you know, is he going to see the field in the fall? Is he going to be a guy that goes from quarterback to safety and the Nevada's relying on him uh-huh. at the stage position with, with Jeff Castillo's 3-3-5? And then the other unit I'll be paying a lot of attention to, and this is a group now – that kind of is going to be asked to carry the load for Nevada next year, at least from 
you know, our standpoint here in April is the wide receiver position. They got a lot coming back. They obviously lose McLean Mannix, and that one hurts now at Texas Tech. Uh, but you have Caleb Fossum, team high 70 grabs last year, only one touchdown. So bizarre. I remember that was like a storyline for a little bit. Like, how has he not gotten in the end zone? So uh, what's Caleb Fossum going to do? He's obviously a possession receiver. Uh, Elijah Cooks, only 22 grabs last year. It was a little disappointing, but he did get in the end zone six times. Uh, certainly a red zone threat. Romeo Dubs played really well down the stretch. and he's, Is he going to be able to build off that this year? And then Bolo, uh, eight grabs in the final eight games. There were really high expect, ooh, really high expectations for him last year. Then he gets taken off on a stretcher against Oregon State. And then I think that he was kind of going through some mental things for a little bit and made some plays, uh, at the end of the year. Um, so those four guys, there's a lot riding on them, uh, this year, especially with the new quarterback coming in. You know, they're going to have to get open and make some plays for whoever is going to be stepping into the starting role. So a couple different groups to look at with the spring game. They're always be a little skeptical of what you hear coming out of this thing. It's always everyone looks really good. Everyone played great. That's going to be the storyline. But, uh, you know, it, it'll still be fun to see the guys, you know, throw some pads on and, and put up some numbers. Okay, let's get into the social slant. Uh, thank you to all of you who submitted questions this week. As always, we appreciate you. Let's start with questions that we got on Twitter. Uh, fake Matt Mummy, as always, pushing the line. Uh, why does Fallon always smell like shit? I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> uh, the easy answer is, like, obviously they have a lot of farms. They got a lot of cows. And being a couple boys from Woodland, Washington, we understand that. <laughs> the bottoms. Hey. Uh, but embrace debate. The fine people of Fallon, they see what's happening in Reno. They see it blowing up. And their defense to keeping Fallon, Fallon, small town, rural Nevada is like, where's this whole place smell like cow crap? We're going to scare people away. Hey, I mean, it's a good tactic. Embrace the bait. It's working. It's working. Uh, our boy Ryan over at Law of the Jungle NV. Assume everyone comes back. We're talking about a basketball here. What short and long-term gaps will Alford have to fill with the remaining scholarships? So for me... The the easy answer is the front court. Uh, so you have KJ Himes, who was is coming, who announced he's coming back, six ten, big body, obviously. You have Shamil Stevenson, who's like, like a Jordan, who's been branded as kind of a Jordan Caroline type at six six. We don't know for certain if he's coming back. And then Jordan Brown, we don't know if he's coming back. With KJ, you have four years of eligibility. With Shamil, you have two and a half. With Jordan Brown, if he does come back, he's likely only around one more year. Then he's Likely off to the NBA. That's certainly you would assume what his plan is. Um, so it's not surprising that we see three star Kwani Kwani is a fun name on his official visit this weekend at Nevada. He's, he's a big man. That's so maybe that's what Steve Alford recognizes. Like, look, we, we need some big bodies in here because we don't have a lot there. That said, if you look at longer term, Jalen Harris is the only player on the 2019, 2020 roster. Who's going to be in the 2020, 2021 roster? Who's in the backcourt? So there are a lot of spots for Steve Alford to fill here. I mean, for under, underclassmen, you really only have KJ Himes. Um, so what, where, where are the gaps? Long term, there's a lot. Um, and that's why it's, it's fun. It's kind of fun to see Nevada recruiting high school kids again. It's, it's, it's different. You're not getting guys who are as polished or, or as accomplished and it's a little bit more of a crapshoot. But now we're going to get back to starting to build a relationship with some of these guys and getting to know them and getting to watch them grow. And I think that's mm-hmm. another reason why it would be a lot of fun to see Lindsey Drew come back. 
Um, cause yeah. he, he was one of those guys that we've got to see kind of go through a lot and now battle through injury. Um, so yeah. Uh, questions we got on Instagram. If you're not following the Instagram account, you certainly should at the Reno slant. We would appreciate it. Uh, Marcus asks, what projected first round NFL draft pick would have the biggest fantasy football production this coming season? Well, as we both know, because we're just excellent fantasy football drafters, it's always yep. just such a cra- crap shoot, but I went with the most cliche slash classic slash predictable uh, choice. I chose Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama. He's quick. He's powerful. He's got huge hands. And they're talking about it. I mean, he, I've heard, I've listened to a little report and stuff. The amount of times I've heard huge hands and how big of a factor that is with the draft board. Apparently nine inches is the number that everybody tries to shoot for, but he's got 10 and a half, 10 and a, 10 and one eighth inch hands. Sorry. Oh. So Josh Jacobs, big hands. So you know he's meant for big production. You have to say about big hands, big gloves. Big fantasy football production. They also say that. Uh, yeah. So the NFL draft obviously starts Thursday. I did about three minutes of research on this and I literally Googled biggest fantasy football production 2019 NFL draft. And it was truthfully, it's hard. Like I figured there'd be lists everywhere. I didn't see a lot. And I said, screw it. I'm going with like the guy who's getting picked first. <laughs> And so Kyler Murray, so Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, if, if Kyler does get drafted there, if he does beat out Josh Rosen, then sure, why not? But I truly could not care less. <laughs> uh, Bradley asks, can you explain how difficult it is being a Mariners fan knowing that your team is 16 and 10, now 16 and 11, thanks to another loss to the Padres today? Uh, but you almost can't even be excited because you know what's about to happen. Hashtag breaking boys hearts since 77. The Mariners were, their inaugural season was 1977. You got thoughts on well, this one? Well, I mean, you listen back a couple weeks ago. I was not, <laughs> I was not in on it. It's obviously collapsing way quicker than I thought it would. Cause what were they, what were they, 13 and two or 13 and three or something? Thir- 13 along and two, then the six game losing streak at home. Yeah, when they played Cincinnati and Houston, or Cleveland and Houston, Cleveland sorry. and Houston, yeah. Yeah, but, so, I mean, it, I don't know. It's just, it came sooner than I thought it would, but I knew it was coming, so I'm not really that upset just because I had already mentally prepared for the meltdown. Being a Mariners fan can best be described as indifference. We've just learned at this point not to get super excited, not to get super sad, because we've all seen this movie a hundred million times. We know what happens. Like this, this team will start winning some games a little bit. Maybe they'll play well in April. Maybe they'll go on a little run in July and they'll get a couple games out of the wild card. And then we know it's going to fall apart in September. It happens every single year. It just sometimes the collapses earlier. And well, def- defend yourself. Cause when we brought this up a couple weeks ago, you were all on board. You were ready to go. And I said, Hey, 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 hold up. Oh, it doesn't mean I'll get just blindly reckless on occasion. Like sometimes, like I'm dangerously close to being all in. Like I'll still, I'll still do it. You're about to be buying season tickets from Vegas. Oh, flying, flying to Seattle every weekend. Yeah, but I quickly, I quickly reacted. I quickly came back down to earth and I said, I'm off the bandwagon. I'm off. I'm, I'm off the Mariners already. Perfect. <laughs> hang, it, hang the, hang the jersey up. Whatever. Keep it out of the. It's just so brutal. I mean, today. Felix Hernandez is even going to finish the year. He has an awesome outing today. We're playing the frickin' Padres, and we get blanked. We lose one nothing. 
we're, we're, we're going for the sweep tomorrow. And by going for the sweep, I mean we're on the verge of getting swept by the Padres. So there's Seattle Mariners baseball. Uh, Sergio asks, at what point are you guys going to change the intro to say not talking about the Florida tournament game? I will always say the game that we're still not talking about is the bigger missed opportunity, and you can make a strong case as one of the biggest missed opportunities in Nevada basketball history. It was the Sweet 16. They're playing a double-digit seed. They were abysmal shooting the ball from deep. That was a, a really good shooting team. They lose by one. Kendall Stevens in that game, the team sniper, goes 0 for 8 shooting from deep. They were that close to going to the Elite 8. The bracket really opened up for them that year. If Nevada would have beat Florida, they were not beating Michigan in the round of 32. I mean, the wheels really fell off at, at the end of the year. So I, I think until there's a bigger missed opportunity or a more painful opportunity in, in the postseason, I'll say that it, we're still going to leave it as is. Um, it's funny now, in hindsight, you look back at it and like, wow, Nevada really whiffed. At the time when Nevada lost, I think so many people were so excited. Like, Nevada got to the Sweet 16. Like, holy cow. Riding the high mm-hmm. of the, of the Texas and Cincinnati game, but really the Cincinnati game, that the Loyola Chicago game didn't hurt as bad. It's like we weren't really even supposed to be here. But man, yeah. you're playing Loyola well, Chicago in the Sweet 16 for a spot to go to Elite Eight. You lose by one with your best shooter going 0 for 8 from deep. And then, and in the next round, wasn't it K State? I think they were like an eight seed or something like that. I, th- I so think you're right. Loyola, I mean, the Loyola won the next game as well. Yeah, so that's so what I'm saying. It would have been like a winnable game for Nevada. Exactly. That's, that's the point. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here on Random Reno. I'll let you start. I'm expanding to the state once again. Nevada is the seventh largest state in the United States in terms of total area with 286,382 square kilometers. How many miles is that, Nathan? Thank you for using the metric system. We all appreciate that. Hey, that's why I'm asking you the one that people would relate to. What would you say almost 2.8 million kilometers? No, two, thanks for listening. 286,382. I want to see how good your conversion is. Oh, God, I'm going to sound really stupid here. Uh, a kilometer is less than a mile, right? Could be. Oh, God. Uh, I'll say if a kilometer is less, I don't even know if the number will be bigger or smaller. We're not a math podcast. <laughs> not a math podcast. 286,000 kilometers. I'll say... That is 240,000 square miles. Close. 110,577. Not even a little Not even a little bit. We're not a mile. When you, when, you, when you asked if it was bigger or smaller than a mile, I was like, all right, we're off to it. <laughs> this, this might be ugly. I like talking about sports more. Uh, <laughs> mine is, so a couple weeks in a row I've gone to Lake Tahoe well. Uh, we've talked about golf courses in the Reno vicinity, obviously including Lake Tahoe. We're talking campsites. Not a camper, by the way. Not a, I can't remember the last time I went camping. Not a, not a huge fan. Uh, how many campsites do you think there are in the Lake Tahoe area? Does a, like a spot for your tent count as a site, or is like the whole ground the site? Camp sites. Camp. Okay. Well, I'm gonna guess two hundred. 1,307. Whew. That's a lot. That's a lot so of camping many. going on. It's a lot of mosquitoes to deal with. I'm, I'm just not about it. Condo, <laughs> yeah, we were, condo camper. We, we, yeah, I say we were not raised in a tent or no. not, not raised in the tent during the summer. 
No, th- th- not raised in a tent, period, either. We can, well, we I guess that, that, that. That, that, that also holds true, yes. <laughs> and that is also our show this week. Thank you to all of you who listen every single week. Last week was a landmark week for us in so many ways. Uh, we appreciate all of you. There's probably some of you guys who are new to the show now, so we're certainly glad you guys are listening. Thank you to Quentin Conaway for coming on the podcast. It was so fun chatting with him. Thank you to Reno Totter, and congrats for the iTunes five-star review of the week. Make sure you reach out to us, Reno Totter, and we'll hook you up with Golf for Two to Toyabi Golf Club. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, including Toyabi Golf Club, as well as Tipsy Elves, Silver and Blue Outfitters, and Movement Nutrition. If you want to hit Toyabi with a buddy for free, all you have to do is hit up our iTunes landing page and leave us a five-star review, and maybe we'll pick you next week. Don't forget to snap a selfie inside Silver and Blue Outfitters this week for a chance at a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. We're doing the drawing on Tuesday night. And if you aren't already, please consider subscribing and following the Reno Slant. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. As always, we'll be right back here next week, same time, same place. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.